Thank you for pressing play on episode 118 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and for this episode, I spoke with Danny Lopez. He's a bandmate of Chris Hodges. Both are in, in the end, the Lincoln Park experience. So I spoke with Danny about his origins, playing guitar in California, the different projects he's involved with, how he got to perform with In The End, and just all of his life experiences. He's a cool dude, so I'm glad Danny shared those experiences with me on A-Sides. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. Look, it's rock and roll! And cue music. have to thank you reigniting my love for Linkin Park because I always enjoyed them, but I didn't really realize how much I loved them until back in October. I saw you guys up um, in a suburb of Chicago and you were with In The End and you guys just blew me away. That was like an awesome <laughs> experience because it was hot in there. Everybody's dancing and hopping around and there's like a mosh pit. And the music was just good and you guys' performance, you guys like nailed it. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, that was the first time we met uh, at the Rock House in Chicago. Yeah, dude. That was a that was a great time, man. That was our, I think that was our last show before we went home. You know, in the green room, we were hanging out. They brought us some Giordano's pizza. You know, we went to town on the, on the pizza. So when we hit the stage, we were so winded and feeling so full. So we're like, ah, we're not sure how this is going to go, like how this is going to turn out. Oh, you had but, the pizza um, before you guys like, performed? Yeah, they, they brought up the pizza to the green room, like, I'd say maybe 40 minutes before we hit the stage. Oh, and man. And we have this, like, <laughs> we have this, like, unwritten rule, uh, at least Chris and I, um, you know, vocalists for In The End, that, like, we try not to eat two hours before a show so that we're, we're light on our feet and, you know, we can move around, but... I mean, you can't say no to, to Giordano's. And I'm sure there's other pizzerias that, like, you know, everyone else has their favorites and stuff. But yeah. Giordano's was one of my first, and so it's always been a favorite. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think just seeing the people getting excited and, and hearing, you know, Linkin Park music live for, for the first time in a while, I think really brought everyone's spirits up. And I think that's why we had such a great time there. Yeah, because it seemed like that might have been, like, the first time you guys took your show to the midwest right usually playing yeah, california i think that's right yeah we, we are from from um southern california from los angeles and you know we, we did a couple of like east coast kind of runs and stuff but that was our first time kind of bringing it to to the midwest and uh yeah nothing but but good times a lot of, a lot of positive feedback and, and great reception so um we enjoyed ourselves yeah i feel like we were kind of starved for that so thank you yeah absolutely it was a good time yeah and not only are you in in the end, a Lincoln Park tribute experience. You're in a Fallout Boy, a tribute band, Far Out Boy. You're in System of a Down band, Toxicity, and then even Paramore, Misery Business, right? Yeah, pretty much rock of the 2000s, I guess you can say. Yeah, damn. Yeah, just kind of, kind of all over the place with with these uh, tribute projects. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be a part of them, and and you know, this was all music that I grew up listening to, and you know, never thought I'd actually be on stage getting to perform them and you know just kind of having this experience and, and experiencing the music with with other people it's it's a wild ride man definitely exhausting but i'm enjoying myself yeah like how do you keep it all together doing those four bands and then you still work a day job too right yeah i have my nine to five actually after shows and stuff people always ask like oh is this like your main your main thing and i'm like no this is actually i guess you would say like my my side hustle i guess my my second job because yeah, I do have a nine to five. I'm a senior knowledge management specialist at a national architect firm oh, out wow. here in Orange County. Yeah, so so I do my nine to five, and then uh, at nights, you know, it's pretty much doing like band business stuff or performing on the weekends. But how do I find time for it? Mm. You know, it's it's one of those. Uh, it's a labor of love, right? Like if something is important to you, you'll always try 
to find and, and make time for it. I'm very grateful that, you know, my family, you know, my friends, relationships, everyone understands kind of that this is my, my passion, that this is what I really enjoy doing. And so, uh, again, like I'm just really fortunate enough to, to be able to, you know, have my nine to five and then still be able to go out on tour on the weekends and, and do what I love. Well, that's good. You got a good like support system behind you too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and everyone has a good time, too. I always enjoy seeing, like, my mom coming out to, to like, my local shows. And, oh, cool. you know, she's there always screaming, like, oh, that's my son. And, like, it's <laughs> kind of <kinda> funny. <laughs> Even Zach, drummer for In the End, I met Zach's mom at that show, too. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, at the Rock House. That's right. Yeah. That was my first time meeting her in person, too. She was all, she was all about it. <laughs> no, it's always great seeing, like, your, your friends and family, like, out in the crowd. A lot of people don't really understand what you do until they're actually there seeing you do it. You know, I, I hear it from like my coworkers as well because they know that I'm always playing out. Uh, and it wasn't until like they actually showed up to a, to a show, a local show, they're they're just like, we had no idea. Like this is out of control. This is, a, it's a good time. Like it really is. So you blew them away then. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just the experience of of live music, just being surrounded by people. You know, the energy in the room, just. The music hitting you in the face it, it's it's one thing to listen to music like on your own but to actually yeah. experience it with other people that's i think that's what makes the difference so you play guitar and you're a vocalist and in the end but in the other bands are you a vocalist as well or uh, do you just like strictly play guitar i am the vocalist in the other groups uh minus the paramore one <laughs> we yeah. have a a great vocalist uh as uh you know doing the the haley role that's that's my friend jamie but yeah, but I am the vocalist for Toxicity, which is the System of a Down tribute, and Far Out Boy, which is the Fall Out Boy tribute. And I also play guitar for Far Out Boy, primarily the guitar player for, for Misery Business, the Paramore tribute. Have you been in all those bands like for like a long time? Yeah. How far say... back does that go, I guess? <laughs> you want the, the history, the, the real quick history rundown of how that happened? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, so, so it's all, it was all a product of uh, Craigslist. Oh, so wow. yeah, so back in the uh, early 2010s, I was just looking for for a, a band to play with. You know, it had been a while since I've played live, and and I was just kind of doing like home recording stuff. Really wanted to get out there, and uh, went onto Craigslist. I saw an ad for this like 90s 2000s cover band out here in in Los Angeles, and you know, it's it's pretty much all the all the mainstream stuff, right? Like. Third Eye Blind, Sublime, Blink-182, all that stuff. And I'm like, hey, like, I know how to play all that. I think I can sing that. So, uh, yeah, I joined this band called Gigawatt Thrust. And <laughs> for about, yeah, for about six or seven years, we pretty much played just like the local, like, Irish pub, you know, dive bar scene. And, uh, you know, we were doing like three-hour sets. And so I think being in this band is what really helped develop, like, my, my stamina an ability to just perform for a long time, but it also gave me all the stage experience that that I needed leading up to what eventually I would be doing. Um, and, you know, I was doing that for a while, moved out to Orange County uh, out here in, in, in Southern California. And, you know, I wanted a little bit more, right? I wanted yeah. to see what else I could do. And so yet again, I went to Craigslist and I saw that there was a Paramore tribute kind of forming and they were looking for a guitar player. So I reached out, got together with them. You know, we just clicked right away. Uh, it became a thing. I brought my my younger brother on board as our bass player. I had a friend who was a drummer. So uh, Misery Business became, you know, Misery Business, our, our little Paramore tribute. And then from there, we took the same band and we created Far Out Boy. So it's pretty much the same members minus, you know, um, our vocalist. Uh, so oh, we, cool. we created Far Out Boy and we just thought that it was just a good pairing. You know, typically when you go out to play venues, the promoters usually want to pair up bands that are kind of like the same sound, you know, just to, to kind of fill up the bill. And so we always thought Paramore and Fall Out Boy yeah. was a good pairing. So we did that. So that's kind of how, how it started with, with the tribute scene. Now, how I got into Toxicity and in the end, it's... Similar story. So with Toxicity, they had a previous singer that, you know, they had to let go. He, you know, wasn't part of the band anymore. And so my guitar player from Far Out Boy, that happened to be his band, Toxicity. Oh. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, Danny, dude, we have a show coming up. Like, we need someone to fill in for System of a Down. Like, you think you can do it? 
And I'm like, ah, shit, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe I have to try. Like, I don't know if I can sing like Serge. Man, that is such and a distinct voice, too. It is, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, he has a little bit of that, like, Armenian accent in there. Yeah. The toxicity of our city, of our city. gave it a shot and here we are almost five years later still doing it it worked out it's been it's been just a, a crazy time with toxicity just all the all the fans that come out to support all the mosh pits uh <laughs> you know it's 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 really cool to see and then that kind of opened the doors to in the end because toxicity opened up for in the end one time and i just became really good friends with all the members of in the end and just by chance they needed someone to kind of help sub for the Shinoda role. And I was like, kind of raised my hand. I'm like, hey, I might be able to help. <laughs> and so, you know, long story short, couple of uh, rehearsals and stuff. My first show within the end was uh, on tour in Texas. Like they just threw me into the fire like that. It's like, all right, your first <laughs> show, we're going to fly you out to Texas. We're going to go play out there. And I'm like, all right. It's been almost two years now with, with them. Oh, awesome. That's kind of cool how one thing led to the other one and then... Yeah, man, it's I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in networking and, and who, you know, and just, you know, always trying to put your best self out there because people notice people will notice and, you know, chance favors the prepared. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to think that I was I was ready for for the call. You know, growing up, I was a big, big Linkin Park fan. I would rehearse to Chester and Shinoda on this little four track recorder, you know, just doing my best to, to try to get better at singing and or playing guitar, and I mean, here we are. I was going to ask how far back your fandom goes for Lincoln Park. <laughs> Hybrid theory. I, I remember I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, that uh, all my friends got the Hybrid Theory album, and you just couldn't stop hearing about it. Yeah. And it was just so new, the, the whole, like, like heavy rock and, and rap. You know, that was something that I was just, you know, exposed to, that I was like, what is this? But Chester's vocals were just out of control. So I was like so new to the music scene and, and getting into playing guitar and stuff. And I'm like, well, I wonder if I can sing. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I've always wanted to see if I could do that. So, so yeah, I, I started practicing early on to a lot of the hybrid theory and uh, meteora tracks again on my little four four track recorder same with fallout boy you know fallout boy back in like the early 2000s 2004 2005 you know something about patrick the frontman, his voice this like very rich soul voice it was very hard to do just started practicing and i think that's kind of how i started developing like my different voices and also just again the stamina because you know when you're not singing in your natural voice and you're trying to emulate someone else it does take a little bit more effort. And so they say practice makes perfect, but repetition makes permanent. Yeah. Like it seems like, yeah, you got to have some kind of tricks to go back and forth between the different uh, vocal styles. Yeah. I mean, with toxicity, doing the system of a down, like surge voice, again, you, you have to kind of throw that a little bit of that like Armenian accent. And I remember when I first started, I was trying a little too hard to, to, to really get close to the voice but it was compromising like my vocal abilities. So you kind of have to find that happy medium of what's still Danny's voice, but still yeah. have a little bit of a little hint of, of, you know, what surge would typically deliver. Um, same with, with fallout boy, you know, I, I can't exactly emulate Patrick, but in my voice, how close can I get? Do you have to do anything like when you're like not singing? Like, do you have to like, I guess like drink certain things or watch what you drink or do you have to, <laughs> Oh man. So everyone who knows me knows that I do the complete opposite of what any like vocalist would do. You know, they always say like, drink lots of water, you know, make sure, you know, you're not, you, you, you eat very light the day of like the week of, you know, drink tea, do all this stuff. Yeah, man. I wish I could say that was a routine, but you're like, like nope, here just I, pizza. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'll, I'll just, I swear, dude, I will have a slice of pizza right before a show Maybe it's my mind thinking that like the grease of the cheese or something kind of lubricates me, <laughs> <laughs> but I try to take care of my voice as much as possible, you know, doing proper warm ups and stuff. Yeah. But, um, 
when I can, I, I will toss in a little slice of pizza. <laughs> so you were saying too, that you were basically born and raised in California. Yeah. Born and raised in Los Angeles. And you know, what's interesting yeah. is that, you know, you go out, you know, to the Midwest East coast and you meet a lot of people. And I've had people ask me that like, Oh, like, you know, so like, where are you from? And I'm like, Oh, I'm from Los Angeles. Like, yeah, but like, where, but like, where are you from? Like, where did you grow up? I'm like in Los Angeles. And I guess it's so bizarre to people because a lot of people that you meet in Los Angeles aren't from there. Like they moved there at some point in their life, but they didn't like grow up there. Um, especially with my bandmates from, from in the end, none of them are from LA. So yeah, born and raised my whole life. I guess that does make sense. Cause you think about people, yeah, going out West to like make it, you know, yeah, you already and, were there. <laughs> I was already there. Right. And so yeah. I didn't, I didn't come out to LA to, to make it, you know, music just kind of found me and I just happened to be in the right, right place at the right time. So I saw too, that like you had posted Metallica is the reason you picked up a guitar. So was that like a, I guess that was like your earliest influence, right? Or did you have any other music you grew up with? Yeah. I mean, that was, a, that was a primarily the biggest influence on me. So I'd say like the whole music thing started when I was maybe four years old. Oh, so wow. there's this yeah, there's this Disney movie called Robin Hood, you know, with the little fox. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, there's this rooster who's playing like the lute. Oh, and yeah. the Isn't it something the, not to talk about? The Oodle Lolly Golly What a Day or something? Yeah, there's that song too. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's the intro of the Robin Hood movie that I was just obsessed with as a child. It just so happens that, you know, at my grandma's house, you know, she would take care of me before I was in school and my parents were at work at my grandma's house. My, my mom, I guess when she was younger, she had a little, a little dinky kind of guitar just kind of lying around. She never, she never learned how to play it. She, she just kind of had it. And so somehow I found it, you know, in somewhere in the house and I would just kind of pretend to like strum along with the rooster, just singing that song. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And then later on, I remember someone gifted me like a little piano. And so by ear, I would just start trying to play little, little, you know, little melodies on the on the keyboard, like jingle bells or something like that. Yeah, I was very interested in music from a, from an early age, but I didn't know that I was actually going to do it. And it wasn't until my older brother introduced me to um, a couple of his friends who had these like jam nights um, at a at a studio kind of near our house, and you know, they would just jam for hours, like not even playing covers or anything, just making music on the spot. And that was kind of like my first exposure to to live music. And um, I thought that was really cool. One of his friends was like, hey, Danny, like you want to hear something cool? Gave me the And Justice For All uh, Metallica album. Hmm. And so And Justice For All was like kind of like my first introduction to like heavy guitars and solos and stuff. And uh, I was hooked. After that, you know, I kind of found my own path. You know, I was really into uh, Blink-182 and, and Green Day and stuff. And I think like a lot of like early guitar players, you start learning like the power chord stuff, the very basics of like playing these these very basic songs. But uh, but it was Metallica that really challenged me to to want to get better, right? Whether it's like the the guitar riffs or learning the solos and stuff, you know, it was, it was always uh, something I was into. And so, yeah. Oh, awesome, man. That's cool. Like Disney to Metallica. Yeah. And and believe it or not, Metallica was actually like my first concert ever. Oh, I wow. was in high school. Yeah, I was in high school when I went to my first concert. Um, they played out here in, in Anaheim. It was during the St. Anger tour. Oh. And it was my first. <laughs> yeah, it was my first concert. I was right in the front. Believe it or not, I caught four guitar picks from them. And at the Damn. very end of the show, James Hetfield takes off his, you know, his legendary wristband, the long wristband. He takes it off and he just like tosses it to me and it's all sweaty and I still have it to this day. Oh, cool. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, crazy, crazy first experience, right? Yeah. I saw Metallica. I've only seen them one time and it was on the St. Anger tour too. Yeah. They were playing with uh, Godsmack, right? Yeah. 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 That was a good show. You know, that was that was a big deal for me because growing up playing guitar and then getting to see Metallica, that was like, like, yes, like, 
everything I've learned on guitar. Now I'm watching them play it live. So it was a really cool experience. Yeah. And then even walking away, you know, with the, with the goodies afterwards too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I still, I think I have them like in, in a drawer right next to me somewhere, somewhere in my room. Oh, awesome. Have you seen Metallica since then? Yeah, actually I saw them, uh, 2017. I'm not sure what tour it was. It wasn't death magnetic tour. Probably the hardwired one then. Oh, it probably was a hardwired. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I remember they played um, Moth into the Flame. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, so it was a hardwired tour. Yeah. yeah. That was the last time I saw them. Have you ever seen Lincoln Park? Yes. I saw them by accident. <laughs> like true story. Where I went to school uh, out in Westwood, uh, out here in California, in the little like student village uh, called Westwood Village, they have this legendary Fox theater where they premiere all of the the latest movies. Oh, um, so so they would have the red carpet events and everything. And I guess that particular day I had gone out to dinner in the village somewhere and they were uh, debuting. They were what were they doing? They were premiering Transformers 2 in the village. And so, you know, you're kind of used to seeing all these like movie premieres happen. So whatever, no big deal. So I'm, I'm walking back to like my apartment and all of a sudden I turn the corner and there's like a big stage right in the middle of the street. They had closed down the streets. So there's a big stage and I see the drums on the stage and and I'm like, is that is that the LP logo? <laughs> Holy crap, is Lincoln Park about to play? So so I run up to like a security guard and I'm like, I'm like, hey man, like, is Lincoln Park gonna play? He's like, Yeah, like like in about two hours if you can wait. And I'm like, Well, how do you how can I watch? He's like, Oh, here, I got some wristbands if you want, but just you know, hang out, hang off over here onto the side until until we kind of instruct you. And yeah, man, I hung out for about an hour and a half and then they they let us kind of into that area and I was right up in the front. And so I guess they were doing the world premiere of Transformers 2 and I guess they were um, premiering New Divide or was it what I've done? Uh, yeah, I think it was New Divide. Yeah, so they played a little mini set for us. I think it was about 10 songs and MTV had a helicopter above and they filmed the whole thing. So, oh, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah. So I just happened to, again, happened to be in the right place at the right time. And that was my first and only Linkin Park experience. Whoa, man. <laughs> never got to see those guys and uh even when i talked to chris like he said he didn't get to see him either i guess it was the same we both had the same thing like well we might have more time to see him and i guess we didn't i know man you, you just never know and and yeah i'm really grateful that at least with within the end they can come out to these shows and and at least get a, a little a little glimpse of of what that experience could have been right you know we, we try to stay yeah. true to to the sound and, and to into the experience and you know nothing nothing but but great compliments and and we we really appreciate all the people that that come out and support yeah you guys are definitely keeping that music alive yeah it's the you know it's the people man they yeah. they they want it they're, they're hungry for it and, and and i think for a lot of people it's it's a form of therapy you know uh, a lot of people needed that closure and and they just mm -hmm. needed to hear it one more time hear it live and and just a lot of the feedback that we get was that it's just a an experience. It, it really is. It, it really is an experience. You guys even played Hybrid Theory like in its entirety, like back I think in January. Or it was yeah, kind of actually. Yeah, like. Yeah, there's this venue that we play in in Orange County out here called the Garden Amp, and uh, a couple of months prior to that performance, we had you know we had just played, and so we wanted to do something a little different for for our fans, and uh, especially since we had just played recently. So we're like, you know what? Like we should do Hybrid Theory. We've never done it. We thought it was a good idea. Yeah, man, that that night was was pretty crazy in itself. Um, we had a, a a wedding proposal on stage during that show. Oh wow! <laughs> um, you know, some guy passed out drunk. We thought he was having a seizure. They stopped the show for like twenty minutes. They brought the ambulance, and you know, it was just this whole experience. It was raining. Yeah. Man, <laughs> wild, wild night. But uh, it was really cool to do the entire Hybrid Theory album. Um, you know, that was the album that I think a lot of people fell in love with, Lincoln Park. And so uh, to kind of just go back and and relive, yeah. you know, the songs in that order uh, was really cool. Do you guys have any plans to do like another show like that, or was that just a one-time thing? I don't know. 
we could potentially do a hybrid theory tour, but you know, with Meteora celebrating 20 years, I don't know, maybe, maybe doing a Meteora kind of thing would be more relevant. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That is coming up like in March, the 20th anniversary and they're putting out a box set and I guess there's a new, new old song. Yeah. A new old song, uh, lost, which I'm completely yeah. obsessed over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's such a great song and, and, I'm I'm hoping that the guys and I can kind of come around to see if we can make that happen live. So uh, oh, really cool. excited to see, yeah, really excited to see what what Lincoln Park will be releasing alongside you know the box set as far as like the the unreleased tracks that we've never heard. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I saw they're like adding in a whole bunch of live stuff, and it, I'm thinking about picking it up on vinyl. The big like uh, box set, I think three or four albums in there. Yeah, man, you gotta you gotta go big with that. Yeah. A lot Are of, you a uh, collector like that of albums or CDs or a vinyl? You know what? I'm not. I am all about the digital life. Kudos to all of those people who who are into it. Like I know a lot of friends who who are big vinyl collectors. Uh, for me, I don't know. I'm, I'm I try to. I guess I'm somewhat of a minimalist. I try to not hold on to too many physical things, and so, you know, my movies, my music whatever I can digitize and kind of just have on the go with me is just, uh, you know, ideal for me for, for what I do and, and my workflow. And I get that because even like you can't take your vinyl in the car or on a walk, you got to have the uh, MP3 or the streaming, you know, I mean, you can't take it everywhere, but you can take that everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but I, t I totally get the whole vinyl experience too. It's nice to yeah. physically be able to hold something, have the artwork. I mean, just like it was back in the day with CDs, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, something about just the, 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 the warmth of the vinyl, just the, just being able to touch it. I don't know. It's something, yeah. something really cool about that. Like my mom collects a lot of vinyls. She has a lot of vinyls from, oh, from back cool. in the day. So she's always playing stuff like in the living room and uh, I, I enjoy it. I'm kind of a nerd for the artwork because I like to doodle and draw like in my free time. So yeah, I like the getting the big like, you know, fold outs and stuff. Uh, oh, that's so. great. Do you have do you have like a uh, do you display them somewhere? Like, is there something that that you use to like display your your albums, like your favorite albums or you just kind of have them? Uh, they're uh, all in away. my closet right now in like crates, but I don't have anything like on display. But I did actually grab I had this out just um, off sick. to the side because uh hybrid theory <laughs> speaking of hybrid theory i actually never bought that like way back when it originally came out because it was on the radio all the time and i think i had a compilation or something that had uh, one step closer on there and then like my sister got into lincoln park so she had that so i felt like i never like I didn't really need to own it, but then after seeing you guys perform back in the fall, I went out and I finally bought the album. So Oh wow. I never bought it till recently, but then <laughs> I didn't realize just how many like awesome songs there were all in a row on there. Like the whole thing. You yeah. come to realize that that entire album is basically a greatest hits in itself. Um really, because I forgot about Paper Cut until you guys played it and I was like, Man, I forgot about this song. It's the opening track, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't own the album either. Uh, again, kind of to your point, it was just all over the place. You couldn't get away from it. And so I feel like yeah. I, I was hearing the songs all the time. And then I think by the time Meteora came around, you know, I was already um acquiring music through <laughs> <laughs> LimeWire or Kazaa yeah. and all that stuff. You're the guy that Lars is talking about. Yeah. <laughs> or was talking about. But beer good, Napster bad. <laughs> going back to that too. You had mentioned um, you got siblings. Like, did they kind of influence your music taste, or did you happen to influence theirs, or uh, both? I think it's. I think it was passed down. So yeah, I have an older brother who, who, again, he was the one who kind of introduced me to to his friend's band and and those jam sessions that I go to. You know, and he's he's a child of the '90s, of the early '90s. So he was into like a lot of the grunge stuff. Yeah. Um, so. Right away, you know, I was into Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. My favorite of the bunch, Silver Chair. Frog Stomp will always be my favorite grunge album. Oh, wow. And yeah, Frog Stomp. So for anyone listening, uh, Silver Chair, when they first came on the scene, 
uh, they were basically these 15 year old Australian kids who happened to win. They won some radio show in Australia and they got a chance to put out an album. And I think they put out one of the, one of the greatest grunge albums of all time, like for being 15 years old. So, yeah, really? So that was, uh, yeah. So, so the whole grunge thing, you know, I went through and then Metallica, I kind of found on my own and, and the pop punk stuff. And then I, I would think that I kind of influenced my younger brother because, you know, at the time he had gotten his little MP3 player. So he just copied all of the music that I had, <laughs> you know, put it, put it on his and he started listening to that. But then he kind of ventured off and, and got more into like, you know, funk stuff, like more upbeat things. And so, yeah, we, we all just kind of developed our own style for music. Oh, cool. I thought I would ask because I'm the older brother. I have a younger sister. She was the one that was always more into Linkin Park like than I was. And uh, it was kind of one way that we like related, you know, being like teenagers because we're five years apart. So we didn't always get along. But that was like, I guess one thing that united us when we were teenagers was music and Linkin Park and stuff like that. So. Oh, that's amazing because you're more into like the metal stuff, right? Yeah, I had gotten like more into, you know, the metal stuff like like we mentioned Metallica. So I got into them like I think 97 when I was like 13. And then obviously like new metal blew up like after that too. So I was more into that heavier stuff and I kept going right. heavier. You but... kept going heavier. Right? Oh, that's that's awesome though that you and your sister kind of found a mutual uh, connection with Lincoln Park. She actually saw them too. Like uh, the time that I think she saw them, it was the Project Revolution tour with uh, Snoop Dogg and Corn. Oh so, wow! Yeah, it's crazy. Like my mom <laughs> oh, took man. her. Oh, that's a good time. Your mom was there with Snoop Dogg. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, she took her. It was one of those amphitheater show things. But yeah, <laughs> the other bands that you perform, have you seen them? Have you experienced them live? Paramore or uh, System? Yeah, Fog so Boy. so Paramore, I actually saw before they even became the machine that is Paramore. Um, I saw them when they did their first Vans Warp tour. They were oh, handing cool. out these little these little like EP with like three songs on them, and so it was just the tiniest little stage. And I was like, oh wow, like you know, she's great. They're all great. And lo and behold, I mean, fifteen twenty years later, you know, just dominating out there. So yeah, I had a chance to see Paramore. I saw them a couple of times um, after that. Fallout Boy, I also saw on Warp Tour uh, when they were blowing up their second album. And then I took my younger brother, who's also in my band. That was his first concert, was a Fallout Boy concert a little later. I think that was in 2007. So I saw them multiple times. But System of a Down was the only band that I hadn't seen up until last February. So I went with my, my guitar player, Matt, from Toxicity. We got tickets to see System of a Down, Corn when they recently played. And yeah, that was crazy, man. Oh, you know, man. The, the amount of pits that went on during that <laughs> show was just out of control. Yeah, good times for sure. Was that the huge thing? I think I saw it uh, like on social media where it was like it was a big thing with like Helmet and maybe I think like Faith No More was supposed to be there, but then they weren't. Yes, but it was some that's the one. huge like lineup of like five or six bands. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, that was the one. We got there right when when corn started, which I had never seen corn too, so that was a oh, wow. that was a bonus. But yeah, just to kind of see System of a Down like doing their thing after like we had already started doing our our little tribute thing, you know, it's just uh, it's a different experience to be on the other side of it, you know. Yeah. So we've talked about Metallica. Are you excited for the new album coming out? Seventy two seasons. Yeah. So you know, I heard the first couple tracks, and you know the the riffs. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with with Metallica and the riffs. Like James just crushes it every time. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 hoping that there's more substance behind some of these songs because I know the last one that came out. What was the name of it? Um, if um, darkness had a name. If darkness this... had a sun. Oh yeah uh, yeah. If darkness something had like a that yeah. Uh, you know that one kind of felt like it was on loop for a little bit, and and I was kind of like waiting for for it to go somewhere because I know Metallica. You know, they kind of lead you in with these riffs and then they kind of change it during the bridge. And then there's yeah. like some like dual harmony guitar solos and stuff. Um, haven't gotten that yet from these three songs, but I mean, who knows? We might have some sleepers on the album because, you know, Death Magnetic, you know, kind of when they came back with, with Death Magnetic, that was all it was. Uh, that was kind of like the 
Metallica is back and then Hardwired came out and it's like they still got it. You know, they're still doing yeah. their thing. So 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 far, I, I don't know. I guess I'm going to wait and see. But I'm either way, I'm excited. I'm still going to play it. You're kind of speaking my language with the Death Magnetic one because I love that album. I could almost put Dude, it up there with like the classics. 100%. That is one of the most underrated albums. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Just the intro track. was just your life i just remember that like ah yeah metallica's back (laughs) how you're talking about sleeper tracks like cyanide i thought that one was badass cyanide uh all nightmare long yeah um we got the unforgiven three (laughs) yeah so i'm hoping i don't know how long we'll have to wait but i feel like we need a part four and they need to call it forgiven (laughs) yeah and just that's it you know that's the end of the story (laughs) But then talking about sleeper songs and stuff, I kind of wasn't really sold on Hardwired at first, kind of what you're saying about this one. I guess I can kind of relate in a way because I didn't really, I wasn't into Hardwired at first, but then the album tracks, you know, the deep cuts kind of hooked me. You know, Metallica, for any album, sometimes it takes a couple of listens to really appreciate either what the artist did or just the little nuances in the song, things that you don't catch right away. You know, albums tend to kind of grow on you and then you end up liking the deeper cuts more so than in the mainstream hits and stuff. So, so yeah, I think like everything, it, it just kind of takes a little bit of time and really listening. I guess you got to judge it by the whole, like not just the singles too. Cause sometimes I even try to avoid those, but with it being Metallica, like I couldn't, I couldn't stay away. Yeah. And you know what? I think with music today, a lot of artists, I feel focus more on just cranking out singles, you know, just single after single because of Spotify, right? Like nobody's yeah. really doing storylines in their albums anymore. It's just like, oh, okay, what new single can I put out? Or what what's gonna work for TikTok or or you know, what can go viral? And I kind of miss like the day when artists really put time and effort into telling a story in the album. And yeah. like you have to listen to the album as a whole to really just kind of understand the, the concept behind what they were trying to do. So had that same kind of thought like i didn't know if maybe i was just like overthinking it but it kind of seems like maybe like our generation might be the last ones to really uh take the album as the whole thing where like now everything's playlists or yeah what you're saying just the singles and yeah i mean again our, our generation was kind of the cotton between the old and the new we were the ones that still happened to play outside but also had the internet Whereas, you know, I asked my niece, you know, I asked my niece, I'm like, hey, do you know what this is? And she's like, I I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what is that? Or like, oh, did you know back in the day we had to, you know, put our finger in this little uh, uh, dial and, and you know, when we had to call someone, you had to turn the little dial. And she's like, what? (laughs) You know, things like that. Dial up AOL, you know, with like the. Oh, man. Brutal. So um, yeah, man. So I think it's it's kind of we're, we're fortunate to again to have experienced the past, but also be present here in in the future. Uh, well, I guess besides the music, though, I had some other stuff that I wanted to ask you about. So, are you DC or are you Marvel? Oh or man, both? don't do that. <laughs> I am both, but I am also neither. I am Team Batman. I mean, it just happens to be DC. Yeah. No, man. So I don't I don't understand the whole like Marvel DC feud. Like as far as I know, I'm the one winning because I'm getting movies of all the characters that I loved, you know, growing up. So give me all the Marvel things. Give me all the DC things like I am here for it. Like I, I, I'm not trying to trying to start beef with, with anybody. Yeah. Like I just want to see, you know, good stories play out with with the characters that we know and love, man. But I don't know. I, yeah. I have a feeling you're Team Marvel, huh? Well, I was just going to say before that, though, like you're kind of like Fry. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> but no, I probably do lean more towards Marvel. I guess when I was growing up, there was, uh, when I was a kid, there was the X-Men cartoon, and there was a Spider-Man one. Well, there was also the Batman one, but I mean... Yes. You had, I guess you had Marvel seem more present at the time, at least, on like, TV. Yeah, DC and it's seemed to have say the that. movies. Right, because, I mean, my first Batman movie that I remember was the Michael Keaton Batmans. Yeah. You know, so you had Batman 89, Batman Returns, which kind of led to the creation of Batman the Animated Series. 
And, you know, that one, Batman animated series was the first one to come out before all of the other kind of Marvel and other DC shows. And so already being a Batman fan as a child, the cartoon just kind of elevated it to just a whole nother level. And then, you know, we got X-Men and Spider-Man and, and all the other the things that came after that. So again, that's why I was such a big fan of just all things Marvel or DC. You know, I was a big fan of the Batman comics. Um, I was actually a big fan of Spawn. I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with Spawn. I never Probably read 1997 the comic books, Spawn. <laughs> but but yeah, I'm familiar with the movie because the soundtrack had the mashups with the metal bands and the uh, hip hop stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very industrial. I remember that album was very industrial. But yeah, so so I was big on Spawn too. And so I think because I dabbled a little bit with the comic books, I'm not saying like I collected all the comic books and I'm a big comic book nerd, but I think that kind of influenced me a little bit more. So that's why Batman was a little bit more closer to my heart, you know? Who's your favorite Batman then? Is it Michael (laughs) Keaton? Oh man, it's such a tough question because there's so many iterations of it. I will say that I think the most accurate depiction of Batman would be Batman, the animated series. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would say that is my, that is my favorite Batman of of just the storytelling of, of the character, uh, the psychology behind why he does what he does. When it comes to movies, I think Ben Affleck is still my Batman as far as the physicality, the portrayal of Bruce and, and just, he just, when I think of Batman, that's that's what he looks like, like Ben Affleck. Damn, dude. And, like, I don't know, fist bump through the um, Zoom screen. Because <laughs> I'm kind of right there with you because my Batman that I think of is the animated series. I thought all the versions of the characters were cool. And even, you know, Mark Hamill's Joker. That was just oh, like iconic. so classic. And then I remember way back when they said Ben Affleck was going to be like taken over as the next Batman. There was so much backlash online, but I remember thinking like, he's probably the most Bruce Wayne type out of all of it. I remember arguing with people on Facebook, you know, keyboard warriors. I'm like, he's going to be a good Bruce Wayne. So I, I, dude, I remember defending him so hard because when, when he did Daredevil, I mean, everyone, I'm not going to say hated him, but nobody liked the selection of Ben Affleck because of Daredevil. But a yeah. lot of people don't know what they're talking about. They're, they're just haters, right? It's the same people <laughs> that just hate on Nickelback because that's what everyone does. Like, but if you listen yeah. to Nickelback, like, I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember back in high school when Daredevil came out and he, I saw the movie and I'm like, dude, Ben Affleck would make a, a great Batman. And I find out years later that the reason he did Daredevil was because he never thought he would get picked to do Batman. And so he just kind of, decided to do it that was like the closest thing he would get to like a comic book character but oh, i clearly wow. remember saying like ben affleck would be an amazing batman anyway forward uh, you know fast forward to 2014 when they announced him i was i was all over it and the reason why i was so excited was because i knew that warner brothers picked him because he, they also wanted him to direct a batman movie so not only was he going to be batman he was also going to direct and and that's why i was so excited unfortunately yeah you know, things happened and we never got to see his uh, directed Batman film. So bummer. But yeah, yeah. the rumor is, is with uh, the new reboot of the Batman of the DC universe, he might be directing it. That's the rumor right here. Like, so even with like the last Batman they have, they're still going to reboot again. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, so, so the way it works is, so by the way, Robert Pattinson, I loved it, man. I think that was the most accurate depiction of detective Batman. And I think, I think this was just kind of like a, a way to kind of introduce this version of Batman. The second one, I feel, will probably explore a little bit more. We'll probably get more Batman things in it. But I think this was a, a great introduction to this version of the character. Now, as far as what they're doing with the reboot, James Gunn, who's kind of like steering the ship now uh, for DC. Yeah. So the Robert Pattinson Batman will be like a standalone thing. I think they call it uh, the Elseworld. Joaquin Phoenix Joker will also be a standalone thing, not to interfere with what they're doing um, with the new DC universe. So there's going to be a new Superman. There's going to be a new Batman. I don't know if they're going to keep the other characters, but yeah. So, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm here for it. Give me, give me more <laughs> Batman. 
Give yeah. me as many Batman as you want. <laughs> well, speaking of that, there's the Flash movie that's coming out that does have yeah. a couple Batmans in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Michael Keaton. I mean, that's that's the Batman that that I grew up on, and it's really cool to just kind of see him in the in the suit and cowl. Obviously, yeah. we get a little a little bit of Ben Affleck in it too. Who knows? We might get some other Batman. But oh. uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens with that movie. Huh? Cool. Like. Um, I guess I, I used to be so into reading all the articles, you know, and getting all the spoilers, but then I just kind of pulled myself back. So I didn't even know anything about this Flash movie. Happened to see the trailer, I think, before... Super Bowl? No, not even that. It was it was just last week when I saw Ant-Man. And I got goosebumps because I was like, I didn't know Ben Affleck was going to be in that. So Oh, man, that was a treat for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be a kind of a multiverse kind of thing yeah. with the Flash. I don't know how it's going to end. It might be just the setup that, that DC needs for this new universe that they're building. Yeah, kind of relaunch everything. Right, yeah. now yeah. now that there's a, a plan in, in place. So so we'll see how that goes, but but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. What did you think of the last couple Marvel movies? So I still got to catch up, actually. I haven't even seen Wakanda. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I I recently saw what was it? Um, Thor, Love and Thunder. What else came out recently? Doctor Strange, Spider Man. Yeah, I mean they're, they're crushing it, man. Although I think that I don't know, dude. What do you think? Are you feeling a little bit fatigued? Yeah, I was even just talking to my friend about that because I kind of felt like I know we're going down this rabbit hole, but the Ant Man thing. Here's here's my take on Ant Man. I don't know if you've seen it. Like I'll kind of tiptoe around it, but. I was already feeling fatigued for a while, but then the Ant-Man movies, they seemed like they were their own separate thing. They weren't the big battles and, you know, they weren't, or the fate of the world was at stake. It was just like these little personal movies and they're like quirky movies. So that's why I like those movies. But then the new Ant-Man seems like it's just like everything else, but then Ant-Man happens to be in it. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. And then... With all the CGI and everything, it's just, I know Marvel movie, you go to the theater and, and you're expecting these like big just sequences and you yeah. know, that's, that's why you go to the movies. Right. But, yeah. but I feel like, yeah, I feel like a lot of the storylines are suffering now in order to just kind of visually appeal audiences. Yeah. You know, I would rather have a more scale back story. And I think that's kind of why I'm such a big fan of the Batman movies because you know, I don't want to see Batman fighting aliens or being in space. Like, I just want him to solve a crime. Yeah. Fight some thugs, you know, show me some emotion, the, the you know, relationships between him and Alfred, like, like real people stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's cool every now and then, you know, like what Avengers was and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, when you've done it for over 10, 15 years now with the Marvel movies, I think people need or want some more substance and not just the flashy things, you know? Yeah. Cause that's kind of my only thing. Like I do like the stories and the performances, but it just seems like everything comes to the end where here's these guys running and here's these guys running and boom, you got the armies of people just fighting. Right. It's, it's like, you're always fighting the big baddie or for some reason people are always fighting like a giant cloud or just something like really yeah. just out of this world. So I'm just kind of like, ah, eh, all right. I'm, I need to take a little break from it, but Oh, here was something my uncle said, because like, this is going back a few years, but that first uh, Suicide Squad. I think we were watching it, and we were kind of like zoning out, but he goes, he said something like, like, why do all these movies just have a big beam of light in the sky? And I was like, oh my God, you are so right, because Avengers did it, even, yep. even Ghostbusters did it in the 80s, you know, with the uh, thing on the top of the building with the Stay Puft Marshmallow thing. You yeah, know? that's right. Yeah, they still had the big clouds and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a formula, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Maybe they're hoping that it it kind of hits with audiences, but yeah. I mean, at this point, I feel like we've seen it, we've seen it all. Yeah. And so I, I think just character driven storylines for me is is what kind of fulfills me when when watching a movie. Well, thanks for putting it in perspective that way, because yeah, like I actually didn't watch that recent Batman movie, but now you've kind of sold it to me. Like, cause yeah, maybe it'll be different than everything else I've seen. Yeah, it's, it's a long one, but again, it's, it's basically it's Batman's second year as Batman. So he's still a young Batman. He's learning. And really it's just kind of like this 
emotional storyline and following him and, and why he's doing what he's doing and just trying to solve a, a mystery. You know, he's trying to solve a, a crime and, and that's all it is, you know, nothing fancy. Just what is it? Very grounded, as they say. I guess you sold me on the <laughs> by beams. Yes. And there's no uh, beams of light in the sky. No, just the bat signal. <laughs> I know we're going way off on this rabbit hole or whatever. But, I love it, man. Um, I don't care. <laughs> Have you ever been to like a Comic-Con? Oh, <laughs> Comic-Con was like my my second life <laughs> before um, I kind of started getting into like the whole music scene. Oh, yeah, man. I used to be I used to be really into the comic book conventions. Um, I used to cosplay. A lot of my friends actually know me for 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 dressing up and cosplaying a lot of these characters. And so, yeah, I would say from from 2011 to about 2016, I was just hardcore comic book conventions. Oh, cool. Trap like literally traveling, traveling to other states. Like my first time in Chicago was because of of a convention out there. Oh, damn! Was it C two E two or was it a Wizard World or? Um, no, actually, for that one, it was um, it was like an anime expo. I I, I don't oh, okay. I don't remember what the what the word was. I'm not into anime, but I was really into Power Rangers, and that kind of fits that that world. Oh and, yeah. And I have every. Not every Power Ranger costume, but I have like seven, like legit, one hundred percent legit Power Ranger costumes, um, helmet, everything. Um, I have like, I think I had like six or seven Batman outfits. Damn. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. did see something that you posted the other day. You were sitting there after a show eating pizza, and you have the Batman cowls or whatever, whatever they're called. Yeah. Mask by your TV. The the cowls, they're they're on display. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my buddies, his, his name's uh, Sean Reeves. Shout out to Reeves Effects. He is like the master sculptor creator of all Batman things, and a oh, lot of cool. my suits, a lot of my suits came from him. Um, the cowls, the belts, the accessories. Yeah, man. the The whole cosplay thing was was a big part of my life. Uh, I met a lot of cool people. A lot of made a lot of new friends. Um, I actually became friends with the original Power Rangers, which oh. is another crazy thing in my life <laughs> oh damn that's cool yeah and then i kind of got more into music a little later down the line and so uh i had to leave leave all that behind but i still have the suits they're in my closet so oh awesome <laughs> um i can kind of relate there too because uh i went to a few comic conventions and stuff and uh but there was one where i was that c2e2 in chicago and i was just going because a friend of mine who i knew over the internet he was just going to submit his portfolio to try to see if he could get, you know, work doing artwork for a different comic book companies. So oh, he's right on. out of state too. And he was like, Hey, I'm going to be in the area. If you want to drive up and like hang out. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go to a comic con and hang out with you. And it ended up being like Tom Morello was going to be there. And he was going to be signing <laughs> autographs. So I got in line. Or it was something where he was only going to be signing an autograph for free for an hour. That was my huge thing, and I was just really going to meet him. Uh, but then uh, Shia LaBeouf ended up being there because you know how the Comic Cons they have the like all the things are sectioned off where you meet people, and they've got those right. aisles. But then they've got the artist alley where they've got the people you know the comic books or their art that they're selling, mm -hmm. and and there was this huge line wrapped around, and we're like, well, what's that line for? Because all the all the celebrities are over there. Why is there a line over here? And so like, we found out that Shia LaBeouf, he like had some weird book of like artwork and he was just like selling it for 10 bucks or something. Oh, wow. I had no idea. And so I went and bought his book or whatever his book, but it ended up being like, this is like further down this rabbit hole. But like, uh, I think we found out later some of his stuff was plagiarized. Like he just took stuff and like <laughs> plagiarized it and printed it off on an Apple Mac or something. It just seems so random that he was there, though. But yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised at the, the who you see at these things. So, so that was like your first experience with a convention. Yeah, yeah, like a big one. It was like 2012. Like I remember this, and I remember this too because I didn't really know what else was going on. I was mostly just going to meet my buddy and hang out with him. And they had a display set up. All the props from the Captain America First Avenger movie were there. They had oh, like nice. the red skull, like mass thing. And they had all these guns and costumes and they even had some of the shields. It was like as huge. It was like all the stuff from that movie. 
a lot a lot of the props yeah you'll see a lot of the props and costumes it's one of my favorite like one of the reasons why i liked going to them is to kind of see them like up close and personal i grew up you know like in the 80s when they actually had to make the effects and stuff so i like seeing all that stuff like the behind the scenes like the uh, what do they call it the practical effects or practical something. effects yeah absolutely 100 percent. so it's cool to see um, all that stuff there yeah so i think one of my greatest convention stories <laughs> a lot but i think this one kind of takes the takes the the cake uh, i actually met ben affleck in my batman suit what at san, at san diego comic-con yeah that Damn. was just that was a just surreal moment uh again happened by accident i feel a lot of things happen by accident i don't <laughs> i don't know what to, what to think of that so it was actually my first convention uh at san diego which is like the biggest one right in the world san, san diego mm -hmm. comic-con and it was when batman vs superman was being released or it had just been released no it was going to be released and i remember i was cosplaying as batman the same day that the the panel was happening which was on on a saturday i just remember kind of walking through the the, the hallways whatever the convention center and then all of a sudden you just see the security guards like everyone back up everyone get back get back like make way like and they started like roping off like this whole section this pathway and I was just kind of caught in the middle of it. And so I couldn't really go where people were supposed to go. I was just kind of like stuck. I don't know how to describe it. It was just a, a weird uh, path. You were on the other side of the uh, security yeah. stuff. Yeah, so sort of say. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, like, here I am in my Batman suit. I'm like, what do I do? He's like, just just wait there. Like, you know, you're fine. Like, just just wait there. And then all of a sudden the cast of Batman versus Superman finished their panel and they're just walking down the stairs and they have to walk through this pathway. And I'm just like right there, like almost greeting them at the moment that they walk down. And so they start walking down. I'm just like right there. And sure enough, like Jeremy Irons walks down, you know, Alfred, yeah. and he's like, Oh, like, and he points at me. And then it's like Amy Adams and she points at me and then Henry Cavill. And I'm just like, dude, like this is this really happening and then the very last person was ben affleck and he walks down and he looks at me and he's got like two security guards next to him and ben affleck's a huge guy so so i myself like i'm i'm six three ben affleck is six four but he looks massive right and he looks yeah, at and me i had to bulk up for the movie role too so yeah dude he he yeah. was he was just huge like just just a big guy like i don't know but but um, he walks down, he looks at me, and he just, I, I wish people could see this, but he throws his hands up in the air and he goes, brother, kind of like in that Ben <laughs> Affleck voice that you know, like, brother. And he walks over to me and he's just kind of like putting his hand on like, like, like my suit, like kind of like patting me down. He's like, this is great. Like, you look so good. And dude i wish i had a phone on me to, to have been able to capture a selfie someone did take a picture it's a very blurry picture but it's kind of like at the moment where like him and i stopped hugging at that moment he was just kind of like walking away from me so there is a picture out there i think it's somewhere on my instagram but but yeah like he got to see me in the suit i got to meet ben affleck in his version of uh, of the batman suit oh man <laughs> that's crazy yeah dude uh it's <laughs> again just stories for days it's yeah. it's been it's been nuts damn man <laughs> that's so crazy yeah i've just again just been fortunate enough to just have done all of these things throughout my life you know um to say that i would become really good friends with the original power rangers you know as a five-year-old child yeah. like that's just that was absurd to me and then you know fast forward and here i am like partying with Zach, the original Black Ranger in Arizona. And I have video of him like wearing my Batman mask and just being all silly and stuff. And he would text me when I was at work, like, like, what are we going to do this weekend? Like, it was, it's just, oh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, dude. Uh, I mean, but again, I don't know if it's just because I'm out here in LA that these crazy things happen, but. Or you're just a nice guy. You're putting yourself out there. You're doing things. So yeah, you're gonna, um, you're probably gonna uh, draw I, the people I'm a, in, I guess. I'm you know? a big, big believer in, in just positive energy, manifesting things into existence, you know, whatever you want, yeah. just, you got to eat, sleep, drink, whatever it is that you're, you're aiming for. And you know, the universe will provide. And, and one of the reasons why I say chance favors the prepared.
got to be prepared for whenever that opportunity calls, right? Yeah, damn, dude, for sure. That's almost a good way to wrap it up, like right there with that. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to put yourself out there and say, hey, universe. Hey, universe, I'm here. Yeah. Ready for it. Damn, dude. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Danny, for talking tonight. It was awesome. Absolutely, Andy. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's always exciting to kind of go down these rabbit holes and talk about the things we love, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I'm hoping that, that we see you, you know, back in Chicago again pretty pretty soon. Yeah, I'm fist bump, man. Yeah, fist bump through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Danny. It was awesome. It's a blast talking to you. Hopefully hey, we can do it again. Time. Anytime, man. And it was a pleasure getting a chat with you. Hopefully our paths cross soon and we'll have another another great time. Thank you. Thank Woo! you. Thank you. Far too kind. Uh, uh. Woo! Yeah. Ready? Woo!